2: In political rallies, the music can be as important as the speeches, but all too often, the music falls flat.
0: I'm Jim DeRogatis. And I'm Greg Cott. With the political conventions around the corner, we pick the theme songs politicians should be using on the campaign trail. And electronic band The Avalanches are back with their first new record in 16 years. We've got a review. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions. You're listening to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Kot with Jim DeRigatis. Uh We've just been through a wrenching uh, couple of weeks here, Jim. Uh, more videos of black men being shot to death by police officers. Uh, one in Baton Rouge, Louisiana, another in St. Paul, Minnesota. Followed by the shootings of five police officers in Dallas. Mass demonstrations in the wake of those incidents in cities around the country. Uh, and, you know, we've had a huge response from the music community, as we've been seeing uh, throughout the decades, whenever something of this nature occurs, quickly turning around essays, open letters, fully produced songs reacting to these events. Yeah, Greg, I, I
2: can rattle down just uh, some of the most noteworthy ones. Swizz Beats and Scarface got together for a track called Sad News. Victoria Monet and Ariana Grande got together uh, with a track called Better Days, which tried to put an optimistic spin, Better Days ahead of us, right? I think the two most noteworthy, though, uh, one from Jay-Z. He released on the Internet a track called Spiritual that had been kicking around for some time, was unfinished. He was motivated by the news last week to put out a version of it there, offering blessings to all families that have lost loved ones to police brutality and the R&B artist Miguel. We are huge fans. He put out a song called How Many in support of Black Lives Matter, really uh, moving tune, and he's doing different versions of it, releasing the demos uh, as he hones it. Uh, how many black lives does it take to wake the change?
3: Brothers and sisters, it's time to wake up.
2: We've seen pop musicians throughout the history of popular music uh, react quickly to disturbing events in the news and put out protest songs. I would go back to, you know, the first and best of them. Uh, the Kent State shootings uh, at the protest for the Vietnam War in Ohio, uh, May 4th, 1970. By June 1970, Crosby, Stills, Nash, and Young had released uh, their version of Neil Young's song, Ohio. Tin Soldiers and Nixon's coming, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what a moving song. But there have been other
0: notable examples made even easier by the Internet. Absolutely, Jim. Uh, The digital era has produced a groundswell of instant reaction to world events. You know, we saw it with the invasion of Iraq in 2003. I mean, major artists putting out songs in the wake of that, Beastie Boys, R.E.M., Chuck D., John Mellencamp, Billy Bragg, Nancy Griffith, spearhead artists from Mexico and Pakistan. There was a whole so, website so listing songs. 100 songs. Yeah, right. it, was, it was incredible. Uh, you know, the Dixie Chicks nearly uh, lost themselves a, a career because mm-hmm. of the remarks they made on stage against the war uh, and that went viral. Uh, we saw it with Hurricane Katrina uh, when uh, uh, the group from Houston, the legendary KO, Uh, put out a song called George Bush Doesn't Care About Black People, sampling that soundbite from Kanye West on that nationally televised relief concert uh, and and building a song around it a million downloads within one week, one of the most resonant protest songs of the last few decades. I think the difference, Jim, between now and earlier eras, uh, you know, with the CSNY song, which was on... Uh, commercial radio stations yeah, or FM play? radio stations, for sure, uh, is that many of these songs. Radio, uh, commercial radio won't touch them. They won't play right. these songs. Right. But they are viral hits. They are out there. People ask, where are the protest songs? Well, they're out there. They're all over the internet. <laughs>
2: You're listening to Sound Opinions, and Greg, even though the political conventions are only now beginning, the Republicans in Cleveland, the Democrats in Philadelphia, it feels like this 2016 election has been going on forever. We've still got four more months. Now, if you've been watching campaign events on cable news or anywhere else, you have heard the same array of pop songs as the candidates come out and give their speeches again and again and again. You know, as, as critics, it's painful for us to hear uh, some of these choices. It's painful for us to see songs misconstrued and this art sometimes disrespected. So we thought that with this show, we would play uh, campaign advisors and pick songs politicians should be using because they're great songs and the messages are strong. So we wanted to talk to uh, NPR political correspondent Don Gagne, who uh, has been out on the campaign trail. What, Don, like 20 years now, right? Uh, yeah, give or
4: take a decade, you know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All
2: right, so what's the single biggest problem as a, a political reporter with these campaign songs that get played and played and played at these rallies?
4: Well, they they serve a lot of different purposes, right? I mean, sometimes they're there to set the mood. Uh, Sometimes they're there to make the candidate look cool. Uh, Sometimes they're there just because uh, they want to connect to the audience and because everybody likes a song. But as the reporter who's in the audience Mm -hmm. on the trail going to event after event after event, you hear the same eight songs over and over and over and you know and sometimes i'm thinking uh Come on, guys, mix it up. We're in Iowa. Play some Everly Brothers. They're from just down the street. Mm -hmm. Uh, We're in Flint, Michigan. Give me some Grand Funk Railroad. You know, I mean, think about it a little bit. Have some fun. We're in Ohio. Play Devo. Um, But they they don't do that, which doesn't mean there aren't great songs in there. There are often really great songs in there. Uh, But it's the repetition that that really tests one's patience.
2: The thing that's always amazed Greg and me as as music critics is Every single campaign season, some candidate or other chooses a song that is diametrically opposed the artist and the message of the song to what their campaign is about. And then, you know, inevitably, Tom Petty or Neil Young or this year, the Rolling Stones with Donald Trump, they complain. And it just be, it blows up in their face. You know, doesn't anybody sit down and think about this when they're making the playlist? I don't think they care. I think they're just picking songs that they think
4: will work. And that goes way back. The first time I remember that it was 1984. Ronald Reagan was playing Bruce Springsteen's right. "Born in the USA," and man, what a perfect you know chorus for any campaign. And Reagan used it first, and he got it out there—the uh, all-American song. Until you listen to the lyrics, you know, there is that the...
2: disadvantage. Yeah. Yes,
4: <laughs> there is that disadvantage. You know, the guy who comes home from Vietnam and things just didn't didn't work. You know, for him.
0: Not looking deeply into it, I think that's uh, the big criticism: is that people don't really understand what the songs are saying. As Reagan with "Born in the U.S.A.", there was criticism of Clinton uh, using the Fleetwood Mac song uh, "Don't Stop" in his uh, '92 campaign, which really resonated with people. And I've read some uh, commentary about the use of that song, and why it actually did resonate. So, even though it was about a breakup and really had nothing to do with the presidential campaign, in some ways, it was a very dark song. Uh, it resonated with the baby boomers who were voting for Clinton, and they said they really appreciated that. They got into it. It, it worked on that level. But you
2: know, Fleetwood Mac, a band with two fractured marriages yeah. and any number of affairs, is probably something the
0: Clintons should yeah. have stayed away from. You could reflect back on uh, the guy running for office at the <laughs> hey, same you know, time, going was, through some of the same issues. Thought with trouble, <laughs> you know, <laughs>
2: about it, right?
4: Artists always do complain, you know, stop using my song, whether it's, you know, Neil Young to Trump on Keep On rocking in the Free World or uh, John uh, Cougar Mellencamp complained about the use of Little Pink Houses every time it's it's been
2: used over the years. And Tom Petty, I won't back
4: down. Sam and Dave complained to Obama and actually I think filed papers stop using Hold On, I'm Coming, which Mm. was a great song to hear at at, at a rally. But ultimately, uh, the, the only weapon the artists really have, I I think, is shame, because as long as the campaign is paying for the rights, it's just like they're a little mini radio station at their rallies putting the music up. And as long as they think it works, if if they don't mind being shamed by Bruce Springsteen or Neil Young, what the heck, just keep playing it.
0: Well, despite the repetition, uh, Don, has ever a campaign song worked really well in defining a candidate for the voting public?
4: Yeah, there there have been plenty of examples of that. Now, I think one of the best examples was Obama in two thousand eight, and then he, he he used it again in twenty twelve. Was Stevie Wonder's "Signed, Sealed, Delivered"? I mean, it's, yeah. it's 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 a perfect message. And I will tell you, and th- this has nothing to do with politics or anything else, because I you know I, I keep all that out of my coverage. But I am a kid from Detroit, and. <laughs> There was something about hearing Stevie Wonder sing that song, especially the part where he just kind of lets it loose and screams, you know, Mm -hmm. at at the end. I bet I heard that song thousands of times Mm -hmm. in 2008, because wherever Obama went, I was on his plane. I went everywhere. I never got sick of that song. And that's a testament, I think, to just how great of a song it is. And they blast it so loud through those speakers, I heard it in ways I never heard it when I was listening to my little AM radio on the beach. Now, I'll tell you, I'm not a big fan of Twisted Sister, but when Donald Trump <laughs> takes the stage to We're Not Gonna Take It, boy, that's pretty great. You know, that's that's perfect.
3: This is
4: This is This is really beautiful, fantastic. What a crowd. What a crowd. And Hillary Clinton, using those Katy Perry songs, either firework or roar, they really do kind of seem to embody what this event is all about and and something that the candidate is trying to embody and the connection
0: they're trying to make with their audience. How much thought do you think is actually put into this at all? Do you, do you think—I mean, obviously these things are, are heard countless times on the campaign trail. They will define the candidate for better or worse. How much time is actually spent in in figuring out what these tracks are going to be? Do they just get together and say, oh, these are my favorite songs, let's play these eight songs? Or is there something Uh, uh, deeper than that? No, I I think less and less is left
4: to chance in in campaigns. So I do think there is somebody whose job it is to really kind of curate a playlist – that will work. And you know, in the case of Obama with uh, with the Staple Singers and and, and Stevie Wonder, uh, you got a sense that, you know, he's he's probably listening to these songs anyway. He approves, but they also played uh, as part of that mix, Brooks and Dunn, Only in America, which was kind of the theme song of the George W. Bush reelection campaign in 2004. And I always thought of, well, that's a kind of this classic Republican song, you know, but sure enough, Four years later, Obama's using that exact mm. same song. So it becomes kind of the generic good campaign song that crowds like. Oh.
2: the irony here, uh, and I'm speaking as much as a music critic uh, as a sociologist here, Don. You know, there is a recognition by these campaigns just as for centuries there was a recognition by armies that, you know, the army marches into battle on on, uh, the heels of a band, right? Music is this great motivating force to uplift people. And and for
4: one era, it's Sousa, but then for another era, it's George M. Cohan. Sure. And it, it evolves, sure.
2: So they know music's a powerful tool, but then they do these Boneheaded things like choosing the completely wrong song with the message.
4: Yeah, no, no. It and and I'll tell you this: uh, I've been going to a lot of Donald Trump rallies this year, and he has the most perplexing playlist I've I've ever encountered. And and again, I've been doing this for a while, and I think they're just songs that Donald Trump likes. But but <laughs> but how's this? I mean, sure, the Rolling Stones play. He, he plays "Start Me Up," right? And that's that's a great song to take the stage to. It is as is. We're not going to take it, but. But they also play uh, Sympathy for the Devil. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. And then they play Elton John's Funeral for a Friend, which then <laughs> and, and segues into Love Lies Bleeding. <laughs> right. And Tiny Dancer. He's playing Tiny, Tiny Dancer. Dancer and Tiny Dancer and 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 you get Adele uh, mixed in there singing a power ballad. And then you hear the theme from Phantom of the Opera or Cats. <laughs> and then you hear an actual puccini opera if i was more cultured i could tell you which one it is and it's and it's this kind of this this crazy stew and it's about a dozen songs and it's the radio station that never existed ever anywhere yeah. that just kind of plays over on a loop but you know something the crowd seems to dig all of these songs so it's kind of creating the right mood and 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 it passes the time
2: we know don that you are uh this music fan you don't get to talk about it on npr you're always covering that politics stuff all right <laughs> so <laughs> (laughs) so. So the idea of the show we're doing is is great campaign songs, anthems that would be great for a campaign if any of these people who chose them had any taste. So we asked you to play this game. Did you come up with one?
4: Well, you know, they, they they would never use it. But I just, uh, again, being a kid from Detroit and, and and loving Motown as I do, I just think ain't too proud to beg uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> from, from, from the temps. <laughs> yeah. Uh, oh, uh, kind of gets to a truth that, <laughs> <laughs> that maybe none of, them, none of them really want to acknowledge. They're all yeah. up there begging, right? <laughs> exactly. Begging for your vote. And they're not proud. And they're not too proud to do it. And will do
0: anything it takes to get your vote. Whatever it takes. <laughs> Including call you baby. Maybe, you
4: know? Let
3: your friends laugh Even
5: this I can say Cause I wanna keep you In a way I
3: can Ain't
0: NPR's National Political Correspondent, Don Gagne, has been our guest on Sound Opinions. Don, thanks for coming on the show.
4: Oh, thanks for asking me.
2: After a short break on Sound Opinions, we're going to come back and reveal our songs for great campaign anthems. And later in the show, the Australian electronic group, The Avalanches, is back with its second album. That's all coming up on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
4: Everyone is voting for Jack Cause he's got what all the rest lack Everyone wants to back Jack Jack is on the
5: right track Cause he's got high hopes He's got high hopes
3: Oops, there goes the opposition Oops, there goes the opposition
5: Curl, pop K-E-double-N-E-D-Y Jack's the nation's favorite guy Everyone wants to back Jack Jack is on the right track Cause he's got high
0: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DeRigatis. It is campaign season, for better or worse. We're right in the middle of it, Jim. I've and been a junkie. I, can, I, can, you know, yeah. I can't get enough. MSNBC, Fox, I'm all over. And if you watch, you're going to hear songs. You're going to hear tons of songs. You're going to hear tons of bad songs or inappropriately used songs in these <laughs> campaigns. We've got some uh, better ideas for some of these candidates. Uh, we're going to suggest some songs that they might want to consider uh, for future political campaigns. No,
2: non, non-partisan in
0: spirit. <laughs> we're, we're just, we're the campaign
2: manager. This is a song you should come out with. I did mention earlier that often candidates choose a song and they completely get the artist wrong it's just the wrong mix for them the wrong message the wrong image i think bob marley obviously one of the most important musicians in pop music history period one of the great first international pop superstars it pains me always to see you know marley reduced to the poster child for weed hung up on frat boys dorm room walls this was a revolutionary his politics were radical he inspired the third world to begin addressing justice, all right? Economic, social, political, he was shot for his beliefs and he he becomes this this poster boy for weed, like I said. <laughs> Get up, stand up, what a song. Get up, stand up, stand up for your rights. I think regardless of where you are on the political spectrum, Everybody feels this way. That's why we vote. That's why we participate in democracy. Marley, in this song, uh, recorded with the Whalers in 1973, was first on the Burning album addressing the powers that be. Preacher man, don't tell me heaven is under this earth. I know you don't know what life is really worth. He's going to tell you what it is. Get up, stand up, don't give up the fight. Bob Marley and the Whalers on Sound Opinions.
5: Get up, stand up, stand up for your right. For your right. Get up, stand up. Stand up for your right. Get up, stand up. Don't give up the fight. Preacher, man, don't tell me. Heaven is on the earth.
2: Get Up, Stand Up by the great Bob Marley from 1973. Greg, what's your first should-be a campaign anthem?
0: Well, this would be perfect for a candidate who wants to uh, shake up the status quo, as uh, Bernie Sanders was uh, attempting to do in the last uh, few months in his campaign. It's Annie DeFranco's version of Which Side Are You On? This song has been around for decades. It was originally written in the 1930s around a miners' strike in uh, Kentucky. The union was basically being uh, pressured by uh, government authorities to break off uh, the strike. The struggle turned violent. There was a lot of intimidation going around. This was a song done to rally. Uh, the workers to say you know you know persevere through this fight you know which side are you on there are no neutrals here mm. Pete Seeger recorded a version of it in the 50s that popularized it around the country uh, and it became a staple of Pete Seeger's concerts for for decades and now Annie DeFranco took the song uh, for an album that she released in 2012 uh, did her version of it actually had Seeger play on the mm. song but in the great folk tradition uh, changed some of the lyrics repurposed them for contemporary times addressing issues issues like feminism, equal rights for women and, and people of color, calling out the corporations in the wake of uh, some of the, the Wall Street corruption, and making it very much in the moment. Ani DeFranco with Which Side Are You On? on Sound Opinions.
4: They stole a few
3: elections, but still we the people won. We voted out corruption, big corporations. We voted for an end to war, in a new direction, and we ain't gonna stop now till the job is done. Come on, all good workers, this year is our time. Now there's folks in Washington.
0: That is Annie DeFranco with a song called Which Side Are You On? on Sound Opinions. I think it's a great campaign song for somebody trying to stir the pot a little bit with their campaign. Jim, what do you got next?
2: Well, I'm with you on that one, Greg, and this one uh, was just mentioned. My next pick was just mentioned by Bill McKibbins on on uh, Sound Opinions when he was a guest talking about the Paris Climate Change Summit and how Patti Smith performed and she played this song, People Have the Power. I remember when this song came out. Patti had been off the stage for many years after being such a groundbreaker in the punk rock revolution she was married to Fred Sonic Smith now deceased of the MC5 came back with that album nobody was expecting dream of life in 1988 She and Fred wrote this song together. You know, the MC5, of course, were great political artists with lots of nasty words. We can't play any (laughs) of theirs. I don't think you could use kick out the jams as a campaign song. You'd be in trouble. People have the power is this ideal of democracy as espoused by the Greeks, Mm. you know, an informed electorate participating in the betterment of society. What do you get from that? People have the power to dream, to rule, to wrestle the world from fools, right? This hmm. is this is prompt. You know, I remember thinking, it, it, cynical as I was when it came out, this is, you know, this is a nice idea, but I don't know if it works. <laughs> and some people would say sometimes democracy gets things wrong. You know, a lot of people in Britain right now are saying democracy screwed up on that Brexit vote. But in its ideal, people... Claiming the power and, and voting and having a say. I mean, what's more inspiring than that? Patti Smith on Sound Opinions.
0: Smith, people have the power. I have to admit, every time she performs that song, raises that fist, you get goosebumps. a little... Goosebumps. going, goosebumps. To, you know, chill up the spine. It's a, it's an inspiring song. I can't believe it hasn't been used yet in a, in a major campaign. I'm going to do a little bit of a 180. I went pretty hardcore with... Uh, which side are you on a confrontational song in many ways i'm going to play a more uh, suggest a more optimistic song next johnny nash with i can see clearly now interesting you picked a you know a marley reggae song here's mm. another song uh, very much in the reggae mode in fact uh, reggae music was just a a wellspring of great political anthems uh, throughout the 70s now johnny nash was actually a texas based singer he was not he did not grow up in jamaica But he recorded this song with Jamaican musicians, uh, one of the best bands of its time. The Fabulous Five, Inc. was his backing band. And he wrote this song uh, from a perspective of somebody coming out of a very painful period in their life and seeing the optimism of a new day ahead. Very much fitting for a political candidate who wants to make some effective change in in office, a song of optimism. Johnny Nash with I Can See Clearly Now, his big hit from 1972 on Sound Opinions.
3: I can see clearly
2: Nash, I can see clearly now. That's, that's an optimistic choice for a great campaign anthem, Greg. I'm going to go uh, to the angry tip right now. Lyrically, I got a right by the Stooges. Uh, well, you know, it's a classic Stooges song. It's like three lines of lyric. Anytime I want, I got a right to move no matter what they say, right? That's essentially the whole lyric in, in this classic Iggy Stooge song. Iggy Pop uh, wrote it in the Raw Power era of the Stooges. James Williamson had come on board on guitar. Uh, They were recording. Raw Power was Released as a single in 73 and never formally on any Stooges album, uh, which is a shame because it's one of the all time great Stooges songs. Now, here, the message is so open ended. Any old time I got to write to move, right? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, that could mean anything, right? Uh, it's the music. It's all about the music. You know, it says so much more than Iggy is actually singing. And I think that's what you want. You know, I can just picture the whole <laughs> crowd jumping up and down, right? I mean, you know, you, you can get people to do anything. <laughs> If you play him a song this good and get him stirred up, I got a write by the Stooges from 1973. I got a Right by the Stooges. You're gonna have a hard time topping that one. That's no,
0: an awesome song. You got there first. I, you know, that's another song that was on my list, and that that is a another one of those songs. Whenever Iggy pulls it out in a concert, it's you know you cannot help oh. but be. You're ready to run up the ramparts and you you do know, anything. It's shout ferocious. from the mountaintops when that song is done. This next song was written at the height of a very difficult time in this country. Uh, the Vietnam War was going on. The Cold War with the Soviet Union. You know, bad relationships with China, bad times in the Middle East. Not a whole lot different from the way things are now, actually. Oh, yeah, you know? I was going to say, what,
2: what, what, what era are you talking about?
0: Forty years later, we've still got many of the same problems, and therefore I think this song is very much of the moment, despite the fact that it was a hit in 1972 for the OJs. I'm talking about Love Train. The Ohio Vocal Group came to Philly to make uh, their greatest uh, music, uh, the Philly Soul Era Which was basically overseen by two great songwriters and producers, Kenny Gamble and Leon Huff. They wrote and produced this song for the OJs. It was their first and only number one record, and for good reason. It addressed the issues of the time and said, folks, if we don't start pulling it together, we are all going to go down together. Love Train by the OJs on Sound Opinion.
2: Love Train by the OJs, one of Greg Cott's picks for a should-have-been or may someday be great campaign song. Campaign songs that actually we're happy to listen to. What do you think? Have you got some contenders? Give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800. Of course, you can also find us online at soundopinions.org,
0: as well as on Twitter and Facebook. After a break, we're going to give our final picks of better campaign theme songs. We're also going to weigh in on the Avalanches and their new album that was 16 years in the making. That's in a minute on sound opinions from WBEZ Chicago and PRX.
3: Nixon's the one, Nixon's the one, the one, we believe.
0: Welcome back to Sound Opinions. I'm Greg Cott with Jim DiRogatis. We are celebrating, if that's the appropriate word, the campaign season, suggesting some great potential theme songs for these
2: campaigns. They need a lot of help. You know, Greg, for my last pick, I really wanted to go with something that was resonant of the Revolutionary War era, the writing of the Declaration of Independence. Sound Opinions listeners probably don't know this. You know, we're both huge history buffs. Mm -hmm. We read tons of historical works. I've been on a Kick lately reading about our founding fathers. All these guys, they were philosophers, they were intellectuals, they were just hellraisers. So I wanted a good song about 1776. Now, despite having a problem with this artist, I wanted to play the song Philadelphia Freedom by Elton John. I'm not an Elton fan, okay? There's way too much Broadway kind of schmaltz, I think, in his canon. Uh, you know, Trump. Just got mentioned as using several Elton songs. Don Gagne was talking about that. I'm not a fan of any of those songs. But Philadelphia Freedom, I can stand up for that song, okay? I always thought this was about writing the Declaration of Independence. It turns out it's not. Philadelphia Freedom actually was written by Elton John and Bernie Taupin as a tribute to Billie Jean King. Her tennis team was the Philadelphia Freedoms, and she, of course, was a brave sexual pioneer coming out of the closet at a time when Elton hadn't yet. (laughs) And so they were paying tribute to, to Billie Jean and that spirit. But I think if you listen to the lyrics from the day I was born, I've waved the flag, Philadelphia freedom took me knee high to a man waving the flag in Philadelphia and the revolutionaries in that stifling room Thomas Jefferson and Cranky John Adams and that <laughs> wild man Ben Franklin writing this revolutionary day. you know that's it we need that spirit and, and those kind of intellects in politics again I think it's a great song a Philadelphia Freedom by Elton John from 1975 Philadelphia Freedom, my favorite Elton John song, and a great campaign anthem. (laughs) The
0: uh, the rest of them, I don't know. We'll fight about that some other day. Greg, you got one more pick. Yeah, and the irony of that pick, Jim, uh, a a representative, a citizen of the country that was the oppressor in in the original revolution. They lost. They lost. (laughs) I've got another Brit act that I want to bring up in regards to a potentially great campaign song. Primal Scream hmm. uh, from the early 90s. I was a big fan of their Screamadelica record, which uh, to me captured some of the mood of the rave scene in the UK and Europe at the time and, and fused it with rock. And if you've never been to a rave, I mean, especially the the first era of raves... Those things were truly over-the-top yeah. celebrations. Before I mean, the corporations yeah, came Yeah, I mean, the euphoria was in the air, chemically induced in some cases, but you can't help but hear a song like this and, and not feel good about life in general. A very anthemic, uplifting kind of song. A little bit of that Stones gospel influence from the Exile and Main Street era as well, combining those two elements very well. Bobby Gillespie was the main so- songwriter in the group, Screamadelica, I think, was their masterpiece, and Moving On Up is one of their greatest songs. Primal Scream on Sound Opinions. ¶¶ is uh, moving on up from primal scream and that ends our segment on sound opinions about potentially great campaign songs we are available to consult we also (laughs) would like our listeners to contribute give us a call for a potentially great campaign song at 888-859-1800 you can also find us online at soundopinions.org and you can hit us up on twitter facebook and instagram Ah
5: Frankie Sanatra. ah Frank Sanatra. Frankie me boy don't know, you have a perfect voice to sing Calypso, what did they say? <laughs> ah Frankie Sanatra. ah
2: Frank Sanatra. Uh, Frankie me boy don't know, you have a perfect voice to sing okay. Calypso, what did they say? <laughs> ah, You're listening to Sound Opinions, and that is a track called Frankie Sinatra by The Avalanches, a new album, Wildflower. Greg, people have been waiting for this record for 16 Mm. years. Why should anyone have cared? Well, in 2000, when Avalanches came together in Australia, really around one central character, Robbie Chater, They were coming out of the punk scene, and they brought this punk, disruptive approach toward sampling and electronic music, just just an avalanche, indeed, of samples from all over the universe. One of the best descriptions I ever read of this record since I left you, a classic, is this was Paul's Boutique by the Beastie Boys, reimagined for the Cartoon Network. (laughs) A weird, playful, jumping-all-over-the-place masterpiece that inspired everyone who's come in that field since, and then they disappeared. Mm. Where have they been? You know, there have been various remix projects, a few collaborations here and there. No one ever thought they'd see another full album, and now here it is. It's called Wildflower. What was once a sextet is really now just Chater and a guy named Tony de Blasi. two people, no longer six, working with a, a, a vast array of different guest artists, everybody from Ariel Pink to Jonathan Donahue of Mercury Rev, Biz Markie. Biz Markie came out of retirement. Great rap pioneer. He's on this album. How good is the music? We'll get into that in a minute. But first, let's hear that Biz Markie track. This is "The Noisy Eater" by Avalanches on Sound Opinions.
3: Everybody eat up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Once upon a time, I was a noisy eater. (coughs) I'm hungry, I want something to eat.
2: Something with a crunch and very sweet. Just woke up, so you know the scenario. I'm craving cereal like Cheerio. Maybe Frosted
1: flakes, I might munch. But what popped in my mind is Captain Crunch. So I went to the kitchen to pick my choice. In my stomach, I heard her voice and said, please feed me.
2: My tank is on empty. I'm seeing things, so please don't tempt me. So I said, okay and got my bowl. Got my milk and cereal, make sure it was cold. Sat down at the table and said, my grace, because I knew what's about to take place. Yup, yuck, eat them up, my belly said. The crunch was so loud, everybody got their bed.
0: The Noisy Eater from The Avalanches new album Wildflower always great to hear Bismarck. cannot get enough of Bismarck? I love Bismarck. We got to have Bismarcky on this show. I also love that we can have a world where we can hear Bismarcky juxtaposed with The Beatles. There's a choir yep. singing The Beatles Come Together on that track. Digital sampling has made all of this possible. You can you can create an entire new planet with those devices and The Avalanches are masters. You know, we just reviewed this DJ Shadow record, and I I think uh, Shadow, with Introducing in 1996, really took uh, sampling to another level. And the Avalanches were sort of the the corollary to what Shadow was Mm. doing. Shadow was a darker-based sampling artist. His music was very subterranean. Whereas the Avalanches, we're all day low. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like we're happy. <laughs> you mentioned a few antecedents and I really hear a lot of Della Souls three feet high and mm-hmm. rising. You know, mm-hmm. n- maybe not so much the methodology, but certainly the sound, the feel, the optimism, the just sense of possibility in the music merging all these different genres together. You know, some people said that first Avalanche's record had thousands, literally thousands of samples on it. Minute pieces of electronic information Mm -hmm. all fused together. I wouldn't be surprised if this one has a similar number, although the big difference, Jim, between this record and the debut is the presence of those guest vocalists, and they are hit and miss. Not all of them work. It's just rife with Danny Brown, Biz Markie, MF Father John Misty. I don't need him in any context. Dirty Threes Warren Ellis. I will say that Mercury Rev's uh, Jonathan Donahue, he gets it. And the problem is, as with DJ Shadow, you have to compare everything they've done since to a yep. masterpiece of a debut. So it's not quite at that level. I'm gonna give it a try it rating. I'm gonna give
2: it a buy it, Greg. I'm just a sucker for this. Now I will warn you, it takes some patience. This is this is not everybody is gonna love this record. It reminds me of those compilations that came out 15 years ago of Carl Stalling and Raymond Scott, yeah. who wrote all the music for the Warner Brothers cartoons. And of course, a typical Bugs Bunny cartoon goes six different places in the span of two and a half minutes, right? And you're going from opera to jug band, right? And that's kind of what Avalanches is doing here. In the right mood, and it's not every time, I just find this a giddy, sugary high. I love it. It's a buy it for me, a try it for you. What do we have on the show next week, Greg? Yes, Jim. Uh, speaking of electronic innovators, we have an interview with Moby next week. Greg Sound Opinions is produced by Brendan Banizak, Evan Chung, Alex Claiborne, and our intern, Daphne McLean. A ring on my phone. A ring on my phone. A ring of my phone.
0: On Sound Opinions, everyone's a critic. So give us a call on our hotline, 888-859-1800.
1: New Messages Hey, I just heard your interview and live performance from Savages. What a band, what a band. The song The Answer live was incredible. Thanks for introducing me to that band. I'm going to delve into their material. The guitar work is amazing.
0: What a group. Thanks, you guys. My name is Scott. I'm calling from Kansas City, Kansas, and I just listened to your show about with the savages and all that. Man, you guys talk too much. You both would talk way, way, way too much. It's like that old saying, talking about music is like dancing about architecture. Just, you know, help us find more interesting music. I don't want to hear all the nitty-gritty details. I mean, that's what World Cafe is for. My name is
4: MJ, and I'm not a spring chicken. I'm a very eclectic person in many ways. I believe that you would be doing a good thing for lots of us. If you would share some of your time with things such as maybe some of Yo-Yo Ma's combinations of work with pop or jazz type musicians. And also you could do Sting, since Sting has now gotten extremely interested in Renaissance classical music.
3: Wilt thou leave me? Up my heart, up my heart, so me, so
4: I believe that more of our younger people would have better, most fulfilling lives and higher IQs with broader thinking abilities if they learn to appreciate kinds of music other than the pop stuff. I...
1: Hey guys, my name is Jeff and I'm calling from Phoenixville, Pennsylvania. Love the show. You guys were talking about the best albums of 2016 so far, and I don't know if anybody mentioned Radiohead's Moon Shaped Pool, but that's definitely the top of my list. I'm actually floored at the the production and the songwriting from these guys. I'd also like to second... The, um, the comment on Black Star, which is Bowie's last, and you're definitely very contemplative and, and uh, quite a work of art for sure. And I'd also like to throw in Animal Collective's album painting with from this year. It's a fun one. It's got some, some cool things in there for the old fans, as well as some uh, new things to latch on to if, if you're a first-time listener. So those are my three big ones. Thanks again for the for the show, fellas, and uh, enjoy the rest of the year. Well, I don't even know whether- Hey, Jim and Greg. This is Bill from Wilmington, Delaware. you really enjoy the show. A band that's overlooked is a band called Biffy Clyro from Scotland. Right now they have the number one album in the UK. Uh, it's called Ellipsis. And if you can check out a track in there called a House. I think this overlooked band uh, needs some exposure in the United States. Thanks very much, and you guys have a great day.
4: No more messages.
2: To share your opinions on Sound Opinions, call 888-859-1800. We'll be back next week on Sound Opinions from WBEZ Chicago and distributed by PRX.